Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 577th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading from me, other writers over at Rebel News Network. But as always, this show is dedicated to the game in the United States. Chat room is open. Come on in. Discuss amongst yourselves if you like. You have a question for me. I'll try to answer it to the best of my ability. And this week starts the road for international club competition as the CONCACAF Champions League begins tomorrow night. Here is that schedule. You can watch all the matches on Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2, as well as Fox Soccer Plus. And don't forget the Fox Sports app. It will be live there as well. Tomorrow night, on Tuesday, March the 7th, 6 p.m. Eastern, Austin FC on the road against Violet AC of Haiti. Philadelphia Union on the road against Alianza FC of El Salvador, 8 o'clock Eastern. Those matches will be on Fox Sports 1. And then at 9.56 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Pacific, it will be, well, 6.56 Pacific, if you want, you know, say 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific, that's fine, on Fox Sports 2. Orlando City on the road to take on Tigres of Mexico. And then in Canada at 9.56 p.m. Eastern, 6.56 p.m. Pacific on Fox Soccer Plus here in the States, the Vancouver Whitecaps will be hosting Real España of Honduras. And finally, on the road as LAFC, Thursday night, March the 9th, on Fox Sports 2, taking on Aluenza of Costa Rica on the road. And that will be the first leg of the round of 16. And then uh, we'll get to the second leg next week as we worry. And don't forget, this coming Friday and next Friday will be CONCACAF Champions League round of 16 review shows for the first leg this Friday night and for the second leg next Friday night. It should be a lot of fun. It should be exciting. And I cannot wait. Guests galore covering all the MLS clubs in the U.S. and Canada, as well as having Mexico support as well, as we will have someone brand new joining us to talk about those clubs from Liga MX. And as happy as I am that Fox Sports has been dedicating themselves, broadcasting, not just CONCACAF events, of course, the World Cup that's going to be here in, you know, in the U.S. in about three, four years' time. Being the lone broadcast partner, television, with Major League Soccer, 
sadly, they continue to show why they are lacking in their coverage of Major League Soccer. Two things that I did not know that was going to happen, but now I do. And that is having John Strong and Stu Holden flying from Los Angeles, California, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, at the Televista Studios, where USL Productions broadcasts those games for the USL games that are going to be on ESPN through ESPN Plus nationwide and internationally. And of course, that was at the time when the Open Cup was also being broadcasted on ESPN Plus. They are no longer traveling across the country of the United States and Canada to broadcast the matches live from the broadcast booth because they are using the signal from the Apple Season Pass and they have stuck both John Strong and Stu Holden in a studio. And on the first week of the brand new season, we saw both men in a studio with a, some people have called it a shower curtain, the DoorDash advertisement behind them as they broadcasted and called the first of 34 games in the Major League Soccer season through linear, linear television through Fox Sports. This is not an ESPN job. This is not a Univision job. This is not an NBC job or a CBS Sports job. This is Fox Sports. What they do for the NFL, for Major League Baseball, for college sports with the NCAA in both football, basketball, women's basketball, the contracts that they have for each and every individual Division I conference, like in the Big East, the ACC, the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Pac-12, everything that they do, including the World Cup, what they've done for the Gold Cup, pales to comparison to what they've done with Major League Soccer. This is where I get upset and I get angry because even though this league is 27 years old, fine, I understand the European leagues get better ratings, I understand, blah, 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 blah. I watch the Premier League like you do. I watch Serie A like you do, La Liga like you do, the Bundesliga like you do. I watch the UEFA Champions League like you do. 
And when I have an opportunity, I try to watch the, the Copa Libertadores like you do, French League on through being sports. But what ESPN used to do, and I understand people are not happy with sometimes the ESPN coverage, but the truth is when ESPN sent John Champion and Taylor Twellman to the games in the stadiums in Major League Soccer to cover the league, it's a no-brainer that that is the highest level of professionalism that we all know that is being delivered. When Major League Soccer was on NBC for those three years, once again, they sent people to the stadiums. They had a desk along the pitch for the pre-game, halftime, post-game host. The studio analyst was with them at that desk. You had a play-by-play announcer in the booth upstairs. You had an analyst on the pitch in between the benches downstairs. Successful for three years of that. And now look at Fox Sports once again. It does not matter if it is MLS coverage or when they had the Bundesliga coverage because they are not giving any time to a desk. They are not allowing Rob Stone to talk to you from a studio in downtown Los Angeles. They are not doing that. Maybe it is time to say we're done with linear television. Maybe we should say it's time to get rid of Fox for the sloppy, disgusting, pathetic way that they are giving MLS the time and for you, for you who supports this league, supports our Division One league to say goodbye and good riddance for once and for all. Sure, Copa Libertadores. Sure, Gold Cups. Sure, the FIFA World Cup. That's all they care about. And yes, they are broadcasting CONCACAF Champions League games, mostly from the studio. No one in the booth. This is where, and whether they're going to hear me or not, I hope they do, because hopefully one day, either NBC comes back and takes it over, or CBS comes in and takes it over. Because right now, Fox, to me, has done an absolutely terrible job 
of how they are covering our Division I league. They are showing no respect, no courtesy, nothing. Now, someone has told me, yes, Fox Sports are building two studios. They have told me there's going to be one in New York. I guess they're doing another studio for Los Angeles. In my mind, that's when the FIFA World Cup will be coming to our country, as well as to our neighbors to the north in Canada and our neighbors to the north in Mexico. The truth is this. To send both John Strong and Stuart Holden each and every MLS match week to the studios in Florida, in South Florida, and not sending them to the broadcast booths in every Major League Soccer stadium, sharing with an NFL team and a Major League Baseball team, truthfully, honestly, this is a sham. This is disgusting. And Fox Sports is ashamed of themselves. Go to World Soccer Talk. Read the article from Christopher Harris. As he will, show, he will share with you his thoughts on the whole situation. Because I give Major League Soccer a lot of credit for finding the way to make this idea with Apple TV work. It was a little sloppy the first week, but apparently in the second week, 10 million times better, and they improved. They listened. And great job from everyone working at MLS, at the television broadcast production building, getting everyone ready, for the 360 show during match week and the announcers that are doing the jobs that we all hope that they would and they are. And that's all I can say about that and that's all I have to say. I'm so disappointed in Fox. I'm so angry with them. They just don't know what they're doing anymore and they are showing their lack of care and that is what we cannot stand for right now great show for you tonight ladies and gentlemen got some great stuff to talk about but joining me right now tonight good friend of mine colleague of mine who now covered well actually he has been covering the houston dynamo for a brand new site we'll get to that as well as dynamo talk joining me right now derek stowers formerly of dynamo theory formerly of sb nation derek welcome back to the show it's great to talk to you and how are you my friend hey doing well can you hear me <laughs> hear you loud and clear alright great thank you so much for having me back on well great to have you back on Derek uh, for those of us that are you know obviously being former colleagues over at SB Nation of course very sad you've lost that uh, site down there in a position with them as well and uh, thankfully though you and your fellow uh, site uh, colleagues have come together to create Bayou Soccer City, please inform uh, .net. Please inform everyone uh, who is not aware of it, just to give us a few minutes about your new uh, your new home. 
Yeah, uh, Soccer, uh, .net. Um You know, it, I've got the, the, the greatest story about uh, how, how I learned about the whole falling out uh, with uh, SB Nation and Vox. And uh, so I was in jury duty, so my phone was off. And one of my good friends uh, and also contributor to the site, uh, Manny, he we we've got our own discord where we like to you know talk and you know share things and communicate and you know talk dynamo and dash and dynamo dose and all that and he just goes man Derek picked the wrong day for jury duty he has no idea what he's getting what he's going to get out of uh as soon as he turns his phone back on and sure enough as soon as I turn my phone back on a ton of messages just had flooded my thing about, you know, basically all all of this uh, stuff that went down. And it literally was out of out of nowhere, out of the blue. And, you know, our, our site had struggled a little bit for, you know, for a bit as we were, you know, restaffing and figuring out how to how to do things. But we were doing pretty well. But you know, they didn't just pull the rug under us. They pulled it on nearly every soccer blog and then the NHL blogs and then the NBA blogs and out of out of nowhere. And that that was crazy. But, uh, you know, the cool thing about Bayou City Soccer was essentially within hours we decided, yep, we're sticking together because now there's a void and we now – aren't tethered to any thing. And there's, you know, pros and cons that are associated with that. But some of the biggest pros are we can pretty much print what we want. And one of the only downsides that I've seen is, you know, our accessibility to things like image rights and, you know, how we publish those. But we've got a lot of people that they go to the games and things like that. I'm really excited about this uh, this project, and you know, we've got the same people. So we're now now we're you know just unleashed, as it, as it were. And uh, yeah, that, it's great to kind of have that level of freedom, um, as it were. No, I understand that. I mean, you know, I mean, it kind of stinks that you have to stick to a game plan or what you've been told what you have to do by, you know, Vox Media at that time. But still, though, you like to think common sense was going to run your site no matter what. But to have that, you know, have the rug pulled out from underneath you in some sense, you know, that must have been really disheartening. But thankfully, you still have your your, uh, readers following you and uh, going to buy you city soccer and uh, you know it must be pretty good to feel that you know everyone's with you everyone's together and that you've moved forward being a part of this yeah and you know we've we've maintained relationships with within the the organization the the dynamo organization and you know we we've kept the team together and we've got a uh sponsorship shout out to Senate Avenue uh brewing company um in Houston so we're we're keeping it very local and 
very very cool that we're doing uh, doing all this stuff like you know together um which you know are i the the people that I work with they're just fantastic uh individuals who who do a great job at what they do and uh, you know they were the ones that sought out the the sponsorship. They were the ones that pitched the idea of going independent. So very, very cool. And, you know, I'm just happy to be along for the ride, as it were. That's great to hear. And I'm very happy for you and everyone else part of that group to uh, continue on going forward like this. Uh, Let's move on and talk about the Dynamo. Um, Not a good start, unfortunately, Uh, at the moment, two matches in and two losses. But, you know, you have Ben Olsen, who – took basically a break from head coaching after saying goodbye to DC United. Now you have him here for the first time uh, as a head coach for the Houston Dynamo. What was your first impressions about Ben Olsen taking the job? And I know it's early, but, you know, do you still have any concerns about Ben Olsen running the club or do you feel it's just he needs time to get acclimated? I, I think definitely the latter. I think he needs time to, to become acclimated. We we had a huge off-season uh, turnover in, in terms of players coming in and out. And whenever that happens, and, you know, a uh, new coach, you know, has to – he's not a new coach, but he's new with within the organization. Um, and a relatively new um, – general manager it we're definitely in the rebuilding phase and you kind of have to give him uh time to get his feet wet and for the players to kind of gel together and that's more or less my big takeaways uh even though that you know we, we we've given up five goals and we've only scored one in in two games um i'm sure you know that uh, playing on the road, uh, especially against pretty good teams, especially uh, the New England Revolution, uh, it's never easy. Uh, even when you're playing clubs that are relatively up to your own caliber, let alone against a rebuilding team, it, it, it's not easy. So I think that what they've been able to accomplish in terms of possession and we we outpossessed uh both Cincinnati and uh the New England Revolution in their own park and we were relatively up to snuff when it comes to uh keeping up uh shot attempts now the problem is the shots only one of them went in um and anybody that follows any level of sports will tell you you got to score more than your opponent but um, I think that we've done a relatively good job uh, at just running the the I don't know the the early early hurls and our schedule isn't easy. We've got Austin coming up and then NYCFC, um, but thankfully we've got a bye week and hopefully that affords uh, Ben Olsen to uh, keep keep the players gelling together and kind of figuring it out. Um, 
I'm sure he hopes that as well. <laughs> no, I agree. And uh, look, he's going to need a lot of time. It it sounds like the Dynamo are going to probably stick to their guns this season with this rebuilding phase. Um, I mean, like you said, they've already given up five goals in two games. You've got Andrew Tarbell in goal, formerly of San Jose. Steve Clark, of course, veteran goalkeeper uh, in in this league. Have they have they've looked good? Have they not looked good? I mean, you know, is it is it mostly on them, or do you think it's the defense right now that's just not doing the job with them? Well, I'm I'm a big I'm a big big fan of uh, Steve Clark. I wouldn't place blame on him, but you know, when we got a bunch of defenders coming out and then coming in, and then you've got players like Ethan Bartlow starting in center back um, and then Tate Schmidt and uh, Franco Escobar and then uh, Griffin Dorsey playing. Those aren't necessarily tried and true MLS caliber uh, players, I I would say, although Schmidt did have our only goal of the, the season. So hats off to you, sir. But, um, yeah, we, we're definitely slow um, in, the, in the pullback range and kind of some of the decision-making is just really slow. But, you know, even though we've given up five goals, only, only scoring one is equally problematic uh, over that amount of time. And one, one of the big problems is despite the – possession advantages that we've had is they're really slow at at pulling, you know, making those risky through balls or anything, and they're more uh, tempted to just move the ball backwards. And you're not going to, you're not going to score goals moving the ball back towards your own goal. In fact, you're more likely to be scored on doing that. So uh, there's issues in in how they progress the ball forward, but there's issues, um, especially on the flanks uh, defensively. And some of the goals that they gave up were just like head scratchers. Just how did, how are they not communicating? And communication, um, I'm sure you've been to uh, MLS practices, MLS practices and stuff, and those things, it it's loud. Um, people are constantly talking to each other. And I'm getting the impression that because a lot of these guys haven't played together enough, they just don't know how to listen to each other. So hopefully that's something that time will kind of sort out. And also, hopefully they're able to progress the ball from the back and move it up uh, into the opposing half of the field and maybe convert. Yep. I mean, that's the hope there as well. How has Hector Herrera been since he transferred over uh, to be a part of the Dynamo? Has he really fit in well from last year into the start of this year? Has he been doing some issues? How has Hector Herrera been? You know, I think he's been a little frustrated, mostly at the situation of being a part of a, um, 
a team that's in the middle of rebuilding, but I think he kind of knew that coming into it. So I think that he's looking to to try and be a leader. Um, On the field, I think he hasn't looked as good as advertised, but a big part of that is there's been so many moving pieces around him. I don't think he, he looks that comfortable. Like we've changed formations. We've moved new players in, taken others out. And, you know, even, even a world-class player, I think, uh, will struggle in that kind of situation and will make it difficult, I guess, to, to, to find success without a built-in system and hopefully, well, the hope is that the system kind of begins to take form and he can really find his place to, to shine. Well, you know what? That's the hope. And uh, if, uh, you know, the Dynamo can change things around, I don't know how quickly it will happen. But if it does, hopefully he'll be able to, to contribute a lot better towards it. And uh, we'll see the Dynamo get back to where they uh, usually are when they are challenging for a championship. Derek, thank you for your time. I always appreciate you coming back on the show. Come back anytime you want. And I would love to have you return. Hey, thank you so much again for having me. And I hope uh, hopefully the New York teams are doing well, but maybe not as well as uh, my teams. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait and see about that. I'll let you know. But thank you once again. Thank you. Thank you. That's Derek Stowers. Once again, BayouCitySoccer.net. Follow them if you're a Houston Dynamo fan. And always enjoy uh, reading their stuff. Derek's a very good friend of mine. I'm glad to have him on. Joining me right now. Now, normally, he is available for all of you if you follow Nashville SC for Speedway Soccer. But today, he also is going to help me with CONCACAF information through the podcast, also known as PodCACAF with Donald Wine and uh, others, uh, a part of that. This is Jonathan Slape joining me right now to talk about, oh my goodness, the bunch of riches that we're going to have in CONCACAF for these next bunch of years before and after the FIFA World Cup. Jonathan, welcome back to the show, and how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How about yourself, Dan? Doing great. Absolutely fantastic. You know, i got to tell you, I think you and I are going to be on the same page on this because we always talk about what does CONCACAF need to do to improve themselves? What does CONCACAF need to do to try and break into being, you know, that third best confederation out of the six behind both UEFA and Bowl, And maybe one day, I'm not saying it's going to happen now, challenging both of them to maybe break into the top two. But you have to say with the amount of CONCACAF Nations League tournaments that we're going to have, especially the current edition finishing up with the group stage this March and then the semifinals this upcoming June, this has been a revelation of success that I never thought I'd see from CONCACAF period. 
Yeah, I mean, I think for a lot of people when the Nations League was announced, uh, maybe more fans of the United States, Mexico, and Canada, there was a bit of uh, trepidation of the fact that we were going to have a lot of games against CONCACAF opponents, and, and you know a lot of these top three teams are looking uh, to be playing outside of or outside of the confederation and playing some you know European and and other teams. But I think what we've seen through you know we're almost through our for our second iteration of CONCACAF Nations League. We've seen how much it's helped the confederation. It's giving more meaningful matches to a lot of teams who for the longest time haven't had that. And I think it's just fantastic to see. And it, like you said, you know, we have the group stage wrapping up here in uh, in March. Um, I'll actually be traveling myself and actually the entire uh, World of CONCACAF team. We are headed to Grenada for the match. Uh, and then, of course, the uh, the finals uh, in what is going to be assumed to be Las Vegas. But then, yeah, there's just so much CONCACAF soccer uh, between now and the World Cup in 2026. Now, you know, CONCACAF put out a uh, media advisory, obviously, in a report how their ecosystem is going to be building, not just for the road to the World Cup for those extra three spots. Obviously, the United States, Canada, and Mexico have qualified automatically as hosts for this World Cup, but, you know, three more teams will be automatically going in. There'll be two more for playoff positioning, and... uh of course, the Copa America in the United States in 2024 next summer with the Gold Cups, of course, this upcoming June, July and in 2025. How do you think they have managed all of these moments? And I mean, I have to think, you know, they've planned this out perfectly. I think they've done a really – the Confederation does a really, really good job. We have we did see last week an announcement in the change of CONCACAF Nations League, which selfishly I don't love just because it, it limits uh, the chance for the United States to play more island games. Uh, but the big thing coming that's in the next iteration of CONCACAF Nations League is we're going to see a change in League A. It's going to expand from the current 12-team uh, setup now going to go to 16 teams the bottom 12 teams are going to play they're going to be split up into two groups of six they're going to play four matches the top four from each of the top two from each of those groups is going to go on and play the other remaining four teams uh that are in that that top half uh in a quarterfinal so the united states won't play after uh the Concacaf final the nations league finals this year they won't play another Nations League game actually until November. Uh, but I think that we're seeing a lot of um, of a lot of planning, a lot of organization, a lot of forward thinking to to what Concacaf is trying to do, especially because you know the thir- the 2023-2024 Nations League is a qualifier for the uh, coming uh, Copa America that's going to be in the United States. Uh, I mean, it's just a lot, a lot of uh, Concacaf soccer coming. No, it really is, and that's the most exciting part. Um, In your mind, because obviously this tournament originally meant to be played not just as helping these other nations outside of the North Zone, or at least some of the top teams in Central America, as well as, you know, for Jamaica, uh, out of the Caribbean, but to get more competition and playing time, obviously – 
but also, as you said, for the rest of the Caribbean sides who barely play these types of games unless it's, you know, at the time Caribbean, uh, Caribbean Cup or Central America Cup, and then you go into the Gold Cup. But now this has happened with the Nations League that it does bring in uh, uh, clubs who automatically qualify for the Gold Cup and those spots for Gold Cup qualifiers. Has that really improved the level of those Caribbean sides who normally would not get this opportunity? I, I definitely think so. I mean, if you look at even the last round of World Cup qualifying, we saw a lot of teams. We saw, you know, Curacao. Uh, and you know the Dutch connection there, uh, Saint Kitts and Nevis as well, and along with Suriname, you know really kind of be some of those teams that have taken a step up. Um, you know a lot of them have been able to recruit well um, from you know their you know home nations, whether that be the you know United Kingdom or the Netherlands. But we've seen a lot of those teams take a step up and be competitive. I mean Curacao uh, made it to the playoffs to, you know, potentially earn a spot within the World Cup. And I think that the CFU as like as a whole has been the biggest beneficiary of the Nations League. And even just the way they've matched it up, you know, they've broken it into three different leagues. So it's not a situation where you have teams like um, Anguilla that's, you know, going to play Jamaica, but, you know, matching them up with, you know, the right competition where you know, they're playing meaningful matches and meaningful matches that are really advancing, you know, CONCACAF as a whole. And I think the other thing is even outside of men's, the men's uh, side of CONCACAF, you know, we're going to get to see a women's nations league coming. The W gold cup is coming in the, uh, in this next round, like next few years, by and large, we're seeing CONCACAF really, you know, focusing on what they can do to improve the region as a whole. Absolutely. Um, I have to ask you this question, obviously. Look, um, Victor Montagliani, the Canadian representative and president of CONCACAF, of course, a vice president through FIFA, uh, was run unopposed to uh, another term as CONCACAF president of the Confederation. I mean, I know it's an obvious question, but or, or there will be an obvious answer, but I mean, let's be honest with ourselves here. What Jack Warner and Jeffrey Webb has done has, you know, what they have done or did to either be positive but at the same time show negativity towards CONCACAF, Victor Montagliani has sur- surpassed both of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like it's not even close. I mean, you know, Jack Warner is a running joke on, on our podcast. Um, you know, if you ever listen, you know that we think Jack Warner sucks. Uh, but I mean, I think the fact of like a lot of Metagliani has done a really good job of you know advancing a lot of the the CFU and rooting out a bit of the corruption um, that we saw within Concacaf, specifically with the likes of Jack Warner. Um, you know, there was some positives, and you know, him being as high up within FIFA did shed some positive light on Concacaf. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, he was using a lot of that to enrich himself rather than enriching and furthering the game within uh, the region. 
obviously, you know, we, we worry mostly about, you know, our clubs and the U.S. men's national team, the U.S. women's national team. And, of course, it's nice to see whether it be our clubs or our national teams, you know, do well internationally, not just on the World Cup stage, but through the CONCACAF Confederation as well. But when that night where Jeffrey Webb was, you know, basically arrested by the Swiss authorities for the his part of the FIFA scandal – I mean, what was your thinking at that time uh, when that happened? I mean, for me, it was. I mean, I one on one hand, it does doesn't shed a good light on Concacaf, um, just because you know there was still there was this longstanding reputation, you know, of corruption. But I think it went a long way to you know instilling some trust uh, in, from the global. Uh, soccer community of you know what they're doing and, and what maybe cleaning up uh CONCACAF and, and especially the CFU who by and large has been you know some of the more uh it's been prone to a bit more corruption uh within that portion of of the federation and the confederation but I think that you know in my uh personal opinion I just yeah it was hated to see it but it, it was something that needed to happen Absolutely. So just out of curiosity, do you guys play the Pirates of the Caribbean theme song whenever you talk about Jack Warner? Captain Jack Warner? <laughs> we do not. Um, yeah, no, there's the, the running joke on uh, the podcast as, any, as we end a segment on Jack Warner is, uh, you know, Donald just gives us his thoughts, which is Jack Warner sucks. <laughs> I think it would lighten up the mood a lot better. I think I, I tried that one time, and I felt better right away when I played that song, but that's just me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll see what happens moving forward. But once again, I agree with you. Um, you know, things are looking better. And I, I think finally we are in the right direction when it comes to this confederation and seeing not just – of course, that Copa America coming in in 2024, the World Cup in 2026. We all know the Gold Cups will be in the States, and hopefully one day there will be a rotation. Hopefully Canada will host the tournament on its own. Somewhere in Central America, better stadiums. Somewhere in the Caribbean, better stadiums. That's the hope that I think we all want, obviously. Um, but we'll see what happens. But definitely, uh, Jonathan, the, these Nations League tournaments uh, – have really been a revelation. I think we are seeing these Caribbean sides really taking advantage of what's being thrown towards them. Yeah, and I agree. I think also I'm really interested, and I don't know if you've seen the reports, but of the potential for an expanded Gold Cup in 2025. Um, there are some uh, reports out of Mexico that we could see um, – an expansion of the 16 teams from CONCACAF, two teams from UEFA, two teams for Asia, uh, two teams from Africa, and, a, and another two for CONMEBOL, um, almost like an expanded Confederations Cup that we used to have the year before the World Cup, but um, that would be very interesting and I think would be a lot of fun because we would probably see a lot of these you know, top European, Asian, or African teams that really wanted to get over uh, – to play in some of the World Cup venues the year before, uh, and I think it just make for you know a very fun uh, you know Gold Cup the year before the World Cup. 
Yeah, I, it would be interesting. I wouldn't mind seeing it. I want to throw this idea at you, and, and I want your opinion about this. I mean, obviously, I, I don't know if it's been talked about recently, but in the past, you know, there's been chatter through social media that maybe both the Americas, CONCACAF and, and Commibol, should unite to become one confederation. Um, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but that's not where I'm going with. But what I'm going with is this. Would you say – CONCACAF has their Gold Cup once every four years, and hopefully at the same year, Copa America will be played in South America, only for the South American teams. But then the next two years, we would have that combined Copa America, like what we're going to have now, like what the Centenario was back in 2015, 2016. Would you be in favor of that, or do you think we should just keep it the way it is? You know, I've long been a proponent of, with Gold Cup being every current iteration, Gold Cup being every two years, I've long been in favor of trying to come up with something. I don't think that the tournament needs to happen every two years, just because I feel like it loses some of, um, you know, its prestige uh, with it happening so often, especially that, like, I always think the one that the year after the World Cup is is a little tough. But uh, I would like to see... Something I don't. I wouldn't want to see Concacaf and Comnable uh, be put together long term as as one you know giant confederation. But I do think that it would be you know pretty interesting to come up with something whether it's um, you know a, a Comnable you know maybe like a Copa Centenario type set set up or or even something with you know we've seen a little bit when we're starting to see Comnable and UEFA have some like you know they're working together and doing a, a couple different things as far as like friendlies and stuff. I'd love to see CONCACAF, um, you know, maybe try to do something with, uh, with CAF. Uh, I, I think outside of, you know, your Copa America and your UEFA, I think that the African Cup of Nations is a, is a fantastic tournament. And I think it'd be, I would love to see some of these African teams, especially your Senegal's, uh, your Nigeria's, uh, you know, even your Egypt's uh, coming over and playing more games in the United States. Yeah. I wouldn't mind that. I, I really wouldn't mind that at all. Or at least if you want, I mean, hopefully, uh, obviously with a new partnership now with Ball, I hope the Inter-America Cup comes back and we can have that type of tournament every single year. So that would be great to see. Or if it's once every four years, I wouldn't mind that either. But we'll see what happens down the road. Jonathan, before I say goodbye to you, um, in two weeks, obviously, uh, that weekend starts – and I should say finishes up the final week of group stage matches in this current edition of the Nations League. Would you be, would you be available the following the, in two in two weeks to join me to preview that uh, final uh, group stage week? Uh, I should be with that Monday. I leave for so I leave for Grenada on the twenty first. Um, but yeah, if we did that two weeks from now, I definitely would uh, love to come in and you know preview some of the matches, both the United States matches, but you know specifically some of the end of Group A because or League A because we definitely there's still some uh, spots on the line for uh, appearances in the mm-hmm. Nations League final. Oh no, absolutely! Listen, I'm talking about everything League A, B, and C on the twentieth. Yeah. yeah, no, let's do it. All right, great. So um, I will uh, send you the details through uh, our, the DM through Twitter, and definitely love to have you back in two weeks. 
thank you so much for your time, and I appreciate it. And uh, have fun in two weeks. Will do. So looking forward to it. All right. Thanks a lot, Jonathan. Have a good night. You too. All right. That's Jonathan Slape of, of course, Speedway Soccer covering Nashville SC, but also member of the Pod Kakaf podcast, which is the World of CONCACAF podcast. Uh, join him and Donald Wine and the rest of the group to have a little fun to talk about CONCACAF as a whole. So that should be a lot of fun, everybody. And I know uh, they do a great job covering the Confederation as a whole. Um, and as we continue on here on the 40 Scenes Fire American Soccer Show, it's time for the Red Bull recap right now. As the New York Red Bulls uh, opened up their home schedule to Nashville SC with a scoreless draw. And yes, tough to see a scoreless draw at home. Not the ideal way to start the home schedule of this brand new season. Let me say this, though. Let me say this. I thought for more than 50% of the match, I thought they were the better side. I thought they had a great opening 15. Slow down a little bit in the middle of the first half when they made their adjustments at halftime. They flew again. Yes, a goal got wiped out for Nashville due to offside. But at the moment, two matches in, no goals through the run of play. The only goal conceded was a penalty in Orlando to start the season. I really thought defensively, the Red Bulls were strong. Very, very strong. And Carlos Cornell really didn't have much to do at all. Uh, No shots on goal from Nashville. Uh, You know, from Nashville, they prevented them from putting any shots on goal. Red Bulls had three solid shots on goal. I mean, listen, if Joe Willis was not there at the right right place at the right time, I think it's at least 1-0, 2-0 Red Bulls. And uh, John Tolkien, oh my God, give give Joe Willis tons of credit. I thought John Tolkien had a sure goal on that rebound chance. I thought Joe Willis was down and out, but he somehow found a way to stop him. Uh, Elise Manuel also got that opportunity and unfortunately couldn't beat uh, Joe Willis uh, at the front post. Really, really difficult, really tough. But, you know, got to say that it, it was just really, really amazing to see how the Red Bulls actually looked pretty darn good in this one. Unfortunately, no goals, but they, didn't, they did not concede any goals in the run of play. And that's a positive, the only positive. But it still needs a little bit more work. Dante Von Zier coming off the bench, a good 15, 20 minutes off the bench, had some solid moments. Obviously, uh, his fitness is still probably a little bit lacking right now. But at the moment, you know, a good solid start for him. But they'll get every, I think they will get everything down pat when they play a lot better. And Von Zier has his fitness back, and he'll be a lot better. It's nice seeing two strikers, again, start the match for the New York Red Bulls. 
defensively strong. I thought Sean Nealis, who was a part of the match week starting 11 from the league, was gifted one of those defensive pairings. I would have given it to Andreas Reyes. He actually had a much better match today, uh, I should say, on Saturday than he did uh, on the road against Orlando. I, I definitely believe that he looked a lot better in this one. And amazingly enough, no bookings against the Red Bulls at home. First clean game for them without any blemish whatsoever. I think that's a positive. But look, it's only two matches in. They got a point. There's, you know, not the start you'd like to hope for after a, uh, you know, unbeaten preseason. But once again, Cornell looks good. The back line looks good. I think bringing up the ball looked good. It's just that final third was lacking, unfortunately. And you got to give them a little bit more time. I'm not saying I give them a lot of time. But give them a little bit more time, maybe another match or two, to settle things and get things going at the right place, the right place at the right time. Wearing their Daniel Patrick kits, and I gotta say, uh, now you know, seeing them twice in consecutive matches, they look great. They really look great, and I really think that they look. Absolutely fantastic. They look fantastic. And uh, if you haven't gotten one yet, go ahead and get one. Uh, it really look good. I know they'll wear their red ones normally, but, you know, those Daniel Patrick uh, kits look really, really flashy and splashy. I like them a lot. I like them big time. So other than that, like I said, I, I just believe that they're not there yet offensively. I think they're great defensively. Bringing the ball up the pitch, looking good. But it's always, we all know, scoring the goals, that final third, got to put the ball away. It's still early. It's only two matches in. We'll see what happens down the road. I believe that they will be fine moving down the road uh, during this regular season. And I think everything will be just fine. Uh, once again, Sean Nealis, a part of the match day starting 11 uh, for the week from MLS. And it should be a strong one for them moving forward. I want to thank my guests for tonight. I want to thank Derek Stowers once again from Bayou City Soccer, covering the Houston Dynamo. Jonathan Slate covering CONCACAF events through the PodCAF site. And once again, Jonathan will be joining me in two weeks to preview the CONCACAF Nations League final week of group stage matches. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you for listening to me tonight. And don't forget this Friday night, CONCACAF Champions League round of 16 first leg review. Once again, thank you so much for listening to me tonight. Take care so long and bye-bye for now. And as always, please enjoy your football. Take care so long and bye-bye for now.